Hi friends, we're continuing on our series, Opportunity Knocks, and reminding ourselves it can be really difficult to find opportunity in troubled and confusing times. Uh, that's why I like this quote that I found. I don't know where I found it. Uh, one time it says this, it says, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. And I like that because it's often true. It's hard to see the opportunities in difficult times. And so sometimes you just need to, uh, to take action yourself. And I'm reminded of that in this pandemic, how people are trying to find opportunity and making opportunities happen. Uh, I think about the World War II veteran, Tom Moore. Did you hear that story? Uh, where in England, he uh, was nearing his 100th birthday and so he designed a fundraiser that he would walk 100 lengths of his garden. Uh, and, and to do that, he was going to try to fundraise money. And it, the, the results were amazing. I mean, I think he tried to raise something like 5,000 pounds. And it ended up being, the uh, latest tally, something like uh, $52 million uh, in our money. And just the impact of it all. People call him a beacon of hope. Making opportunity in difficult times. Uh, also th thinking these days about how sometimes you've got to take what comes and make something good of it. Uh, do you remember back in 2011, or sorry, rather 2001, 9-11, when uh, this, uh, this idea of the, the planes being uh, called down from the airspace, the U.S. borders were closed and to, to planes, and planes started landing in Gander, Newfoundland. 38 international flights landed in Gander, Newfoundland. Now, I know we live here on this island, and, and uh, one of the phrases I know that we know quite well is uh, the idea of from away. You know, being from here or from away. And this idea of uh, CFA, come from away. Well, in fact, there was a, a, a a Broadway musical that was written based on that story of all those planes landing, nearly 7,000 people in Newfoundland. And, and the idea of it is that people opened their hearts, they opened their homes. Uh, they weren't equipped at all to be able to deal with that many people, that kind of influx of people, without any kind of preparation. And uh, this is the story of tri the triumph of hospitality over tragedy. And they converted buildings into shelters. Uh, they invited strangers into their homes. They turned love into sandwiches. Um, they invited uh, people into their lives. They treated people like family. And that idea of come from away uh, turned into something really beautiful in the end. And, and I like that story because it reminds us of how we seize on opportunity in the midst of difficult times. But that story I like a lot because it makes me ask the question, why do we do that? What's the impulse inside of us to help people? Whether it's Tom Moore and walking his garden uh, to raise money for the British healthcare system, or whether it is Newfoundlanders opening up their hearts and homes to strangers. Where does this impulse to help come from? And that brings me to the story today of uh, one of the most beloved parables in the Bible. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know this story. It's the story of a man who ends up being overtaken by robbers on a dangerous road. And he's hurt almost to the point of death. 
two people pass by, two religious people who should have known better, their compassion should have been awakened, but it wasn't. The third person that came by was a Samaritan, uh, an enemy, uh, an outsider. And he, this is a beautiful story of how this outsider picks up this man who's beaten and vulnerable, and he cares for his wounds. And he takes him on his way, and he takes him to an inn, takes care of his needs. It's a beautiful story of someone who risked reaching out to help. And again, I wonder, where does that impulse come from? And uh, let me read for you. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10 and take a look at that story. But I'm going to read for you the final two verses in that story where Jesus mentions what the point of it all is. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 10, verses 37 and 38. And here's what Jesus says, uh, rather 36 and 37. Now, which of these three, these three people he was talking about, would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So Jesus explains the point of it all. It's this impulse inside of us to want to help. Where does it come from? Well, what we're talking about today is helping other people. Uh, When I think about this parable, I I wonder why has it had such staying power? Why does it resonate so much with us? And there are four words that I would use to, to try to answer that question. The first is this. The reason that you love that parable so much is it's about compassion, and compassion is, is something that is so God-like, that resonates with the image of God, that resonates with the character of God. There's something inside of you that loves it and says, that's, that's what life's all about, about compassion. The second word that is the reason why you love that parable so much is that it speaks to the worth of people, the worth of every single human being. People are incredibly valuable. They are precious to God, and they should be precious to you. The the third reason, I think, the third word, I think of sacrifice. That you and I, we were built to give. And this parable features such awesome generosity. Someone who goes to extra lengths. And then the fourth word is mission. This isn't just a story about, hey, we should do good some things once in a while. But what we're going to learn today is this points us to a mission for our whole lives, the kingdom of God, that doesn't doesn't permeate little bits and pieces, moments in our lives, but fills your whole life. It's your whole life's mission. When we start to think about helping, why should we do that? Uh, And I think it's time to check our motives when it comes to helping other people. Sometimes... You know, we got to be honest with ourselves. Uh, Do we help people because we want to get a good reputation? Do we want to be seen? Do we want to get notoriety? Do we want to be known for something? And maybe you're someone who loves God and believes in God. Sometimes maybe do we help people to get some rewards out of it, whether it's here on this earth or maybe we're kind of storing up treasures in heaven for reward. Or maybe we think we're somehow trying to earn a good place with God. Is that why we help others? Well, I want to put it to you that a better way of thinking about this, why do we help others, is, is this. First of all, I help others 
you will help others because you care about showing people Jesus. That is one of the most noble, that's one of the greatest reasons why we could help another person. It's that we want to be the hands and feet and lips and, and, and uh, just the acts of service that we do. We want to point people to Jesus. That's why we help other people. That's not a selfish reason. That's, a, that's something that gets to the heart of why God put us here on this earth. A better reason for helping others is because I'm serving Jesus. Jesus tells another parable in Matthew chapter 25, verses 46 and following. And he says, at the very end of time, God's going to separate us into sheep and goats. And you don't want to be a goat. You want to be a sheep. You know, like that old song says, I just want to be a sheep, Baba. Right? Uh, He's going to separate us. And the idea is, like, upon what basis does he separate us? And so what he's saying is, it's, it's because you gave me a cup of water. It's because you fed me. It's because you clothed me. It's because you visited me. And then the sheep say, well, when did we ever do that? Well, as much as you did it to the least of these, when you helped others, were you doing it for me? And the answer is yes. Well, come into the kingdom of God, right? That's a better reason to, to serve, to help. And then the, the reason, that the next reason, incredibly important is this, that I help others because of who I am now. It's because of who you are now. This parable, one of the reasons we love it is because it, it reverses something ugly about our behavior. It reverses this idea of our temptation to judge other people and to show prejudice toward other people. This, this parable, in a way, is about the bad guys. Who are the bad guys? Well, the people who were listening to Jesus thought the Samaritan was the bad guy. Uh, when it turned out at the end of the parable, the people who were asking the question about who was my neighbor, who thought they were good, they actually were the bad guys. And uh, some people would take this parable to mean, oh, it's just a, we misunderstand, everybody's good. We just misunderstand them, even Samaritans, right? But, but Paul explains later on in the Bible that we're all bad guys, and only Jesus can make you clean. And, and what that points to is the idea that, that I'm not trying to be somebody that does good things, I want God to make me into a completely different person. And so the, the greatest reason to help other people is because of who you are now. Because Jesus has rescued you and forgiven you and made you clean and given you a new way of life. That is, I'm telling you, one of the greatest impulses to serve that you could ever have in your life. Again, this story reverses what's ugly about our behavior. Coming to Jesus is about a change of heart. It's about saying, you know what? We're all bad guys. Me too. And I want Jesus to come into my life and clean it up. If you believe you're good, then you'll often miss out on that opportunity to experience the change that Jesus wants to give. But if you've fallen or if you failed, this new life is for you. It's about grace. It's about coming to Jesus. Uh, now, on that line, I, I want you to think about this for a moment. Uh, this question. Uh, this passage often raises the question for me. Uh, can you be good without God? 
Is this a story just about being a good person who helps people and does good things and uh, becomes this fine, upstanding citizen who rescues people on the road, helps other people in need? And uh, although I think that that's a good question. I think you want to dive into that question. There's not enough time to dive in it today. I encourage you to discuss that question. Ask that question to somebody today and have a good discussion about that. But asking that question leads me again to this point that this story isn't about just doing good things, about performing acts of service. It is about who I want to be. It is about a way of life. And this way of life is centered in Jesus. So in other words, think about this. Helping others isn't based on what you do. It flows from who you are. Now, I can't stress that enough. Helping others isn't based on what you do. It flows from who you are. In other words, the most important decision of your life is not, am I going to be a person that helps others? It's, Will you follow Jesus? That's the true question. And this parable is totally centered on Jesus. Jesus is the good Samaritan. He, that, that's, that's who he's, he's the one who picks people up on the side of the road. He's the one who doesn't judge us because of all the wrongs that we've done. He's the one who sees uh, us and the value and the worth in us. And the one who picks us up and rescues us. Jesus is the center of it, and he's calling you to a way of life that is centered in him, a a way of life where you were made to give, where you were made to love others, even your enemies. It's not an easy road. Love never is. It's not convenient. It it really is what the Old Testament tried to boil down, uh, what our life should be like. When it asked this question, it asked, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. And what is that? To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So again, this is one of those statements that, it's a core statement that boils down what is walking with God all about? To do justly, to do what's right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's, it's, it's a generous spirit that's required. This way of life centered in Jesus is about all those things, including generosity. Now I want to talk for just a moment about uh, this, this image of the man on the Jericho Road. You see, this Jericho Road that the story of the Good Samaritan takes place on, uh, that's the equivalent of like a dark alley at night. It's the equivalent of a dangerous place. It's the equivalent of a place where bad things happen. And it's a reminder that often in life we find ourselves, and people find themselves on the Jericho Road. This world can be a rough place. And there are spaces of danger uh, that try to rob you of your joy and rob you of the things that that are going to bring you happiness and meaning. Who will you meet this season on the Jericho Road? And I want to ask you the question, when you meet someone who's been beaten up by life, what are you going to do? How are you going to help? What kind of opportunities might you find on the Jericho Road these days? Well, first of all, uh, I want you to think about looking around you. Look for lonely people. 
Look for those who have experienced loss right now. Some people have lost their jobs or they're worried about losing their jobs. Uh, some people are losing their businesses. Other people have lost their pensions. Look for people who've experienced that loss. Then next, ask the question, what do people really need? Now, we could talk about this a lot, but what you have to ask is, yes, of course, there are things that people need. Uh, they, they, they need to be helped with the point at which they feel their need, whether it's uh, financial loss or, or what. But very often, when I meet people who've experienced, say, a financial loss or um, or, or maybe uh, a loss of money, what they really need is a friend. So sometimes it's looking with the eyes of Jesus beyond what their need looks like and saying, you know what this person really needs? They need a friend, and I'm going to be that friend. I'm going to be that companion with them on that journey. That's partly what it means to be the good Samaritan. Uh, often we'll say at Christmas time, I know around our house, um, there, there are two kinds of presents that you can give. There's the presents with a T at the end of it, the present, or the presents with a C-E at the end. And uh, that kind of presence is often and always what people are needing. And then thirdly, look for opportunities to be trained and be equipped for, uh, for, for serving and helping others. just happens that there's a really interesting opportunity coming up June the 6th. There's a seminar that's going on online via Zoom, and the course is called Sharing Hope in Crisis. I'm really excited about that. Uh, it's a two-hour seminar. It's free. If you're interested in that, please uh, send, shoot me off an email or shoot me off a text. Let me know. I'll sign you up for that. Again, it's June the 6th, and this is a way for us to be equipped to actually serve Jesus, live this way of life where we help others. So I'm praying that the God of mercy and the Father of all comfort is going to use you as his hands and his feet and his servants in these days of opportunity. Allow me to pray for you. God, I thank you for not only the perfect witness of Jesus who showed us what it means to live a life that is based uh, out of the love of God, but God, I thank you that you put your spirit inside of us. And I pray, Lord, that you'd be awakening your Holy Spirit inside each person who wants to follow you and that we'd make this turn to a way of life where we help others because, Lord, we see that we're serving you when we do it. And that's the way of life that you call us to. In other words, God, we want our lives to be all about you and what you want. So gift your people with that kind of attitude with that kind of center this week. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is our continuing conversation, following the message, talk about how do we apply this and to dig a little deeper. Micah, uh, we talked today, of course, about the Good Samaritan. Yeah. And uh, we also started to talk about in our culture, it's not hard to, to see there are Good Samaritans out there, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Any stories that that you've seen or anything that struck you about people really wanting to be helpful? Uh, I think we've seen time? quite a bit of it. And I mean, across Canada, you can see it all over the place. One of the podcasts I talked or listened to, uh, the meeting house, they talk about like how they're helping out at Young Street Mission and Salvation Army. But that's up in Toronto, even locally, even within our own congregation, we're hearing about people willing to go shopping for folks, get groceries for folks. Uh, stepping up when people can't quite make their bills. Mm. Like, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on, and it 
I love it because it reminds me this is a lot like what I think Jesus would be proud of and happy with. Yeah, I, I, there's, uh, I love, I, I actually this week tried to navigate to some of the news sites and of course, there's all sorts of stuff about the pandemic, but uh, I think it's CBC has the like good news stories of the week because <laughs> yeah, yeah. we need those, right? Yeah. And they're just people trying to help each other in yeah. little and big ways. Uh, I always wonder, where does that come from? You know, why, why are, like, is that just the way people are? I mean, the Bible says that, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, not, we're not as good as we think we are, but there's a lot of good stuff that people try to do. Where does that come from? Why do people do that? Wow. I, Last night I was listening to a, a long diatribe, which I won't run into, about how much the ethic of Jesus has had an influence on our Western culture. And yes, we've messed it up and we've walked away, but inherent in the background is this notion that, hey, if there is a God, he came, died on a cross, and maybe we should t- pay attention to those people who are suffering. Because of, like maybe that, that was the connection they were making, and I'm not making it super well, but like I think... There's enough remnants. I think they call it uh, in seminary common grace. Mm. There's enough remnants of God's heart. Yeah, the image of God, too, the, is another exactly, way of putting it. In people that it, it just, it's there, and yet we can be so messed up sometimes, too. Mm. Like, it's, it's easy to zoom in on the dark and see where people aren't like Jesus. It's, it's easy for me to see where I'm not like Jesus. But the ethic of Jesus is there. Do you ever get concerned that uh, when we start to talk about the good things that we can do, that we can kind of blur the line between, like, I guess to put it in Paul's terms, grace and works? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then James comes back, you've got faith, the gift of faith, great. I'll show you my faith by what I do. And these two things are in constant tension, right? Mm. Like, hey, why am I saved? Because Jesus and only Jesus. And because of Jesus, I want to live like this. Yeah, and I think that gets really close to one of the main points that I wanted to make today. And that is, this isn't about just developing a list of the good things that I can do, but it's got to flow from who we are in Jesus. Because we want every part of our life, we want to be rooted in Jesus. And it's it's not hard to figure out how do we follow Jesus and help people at the same time. Like those two how, how do those two go hand in hand? Well, it it can be hard because we can get distracted a lot of the time. But when I'm like when I'm teaching around a campfire or something like that, the the phrase that I or the the image that I use is, "Hey, when you fall in love with somebody, you stop doing the things they hate and start doing the things they love." Right? Like when I first started dating Jody, it was not uncommon for me to have a can of Campbell's seafood chowder once a week, because uh, that, I, you know, that was my dorm room staple. I'd, pulling a late nighter, <laughs> open the can, dump it, nuke it, eat the thing, and keep going, right? Well, Jody doesn't like seafood. Uh, so the amount that of seafood that I eat has dropped over the years because the one I love doesn't like it. And I think that works its way out in our relationship with Christ, too. Mm. The, the things that Christ doesn't love in me, I want to do less. And is it I think it's Paul. What a wicked man I am. I, I wind up doing the things I do not want to do and don't do the things I do. Yeah, that's still a part of us. We're still navigating those waters, but we're slowly changing. Yeah, I like to focus on the difference that Jesus has made yeah. in my life and not to try to 
uh, compare. Uh, that's one of the questions that spun off in my mind, the idea of can we be good without God? Do we have to have Jesus in order to be a good person? And that's not the point I know, no. being a good person. But, you know, because a lot of people who don't follow Jesus, they, I mean, they can outshine us in oh, terms of the goodness, whole yeah. giving attitude. Yeah. Right? Well, and that is often a critique held up against Christians. Mm. Oh, you're supposed to be, and yet look. Uh, but, and that is a perfectly legitimate critique, and we need to hear that because we do want to shine like Jesus in our culture. But the fuel for why we do that has got to be Jesus. And mm. I like how you're phrasing that, like the difference that Jesus is making. Mm. It's not because I want to be good. It's not because I want to be seen as an ethical person. You've talked about that. And those are all good things. But the, the fuel that drives the engine mm. has got to be Jesus. You know, something just told me that you were going to be sharing something like that. and, and <laughs> Maybe because you know me so well. <laughs> I, I, I guess, but um, the, in the book of Ephesians, yeah. it's a very common passage. A lot of people know it. Ephesians chapter 3 talks about just the so- Christ as the source mm. of everything that we do. And I just want to read a couple of verses. Yeah. I, I, I think they'll resonate here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and then maybe verse 16 and following. Paul prays this. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. I love that passage because it speaks about it's where the roots are. It's where the source is. And, um, yeah, what, what do you think of that passage? I think uh, that's my, a great one, eh? My brain gets hijacked because it's that last part that you read, this is like inside baseball personal life, um, That those verses uh, for the first five years of my daughter's life, we prayed that, those, may you understand how wide, how high, how long, how deep, and I'm getting it wrong now, of course, but uh, like we prayed that over her every night for like five years and we still do most of the time now too uh, because it as Christ does that transforming work in us and as we start bearing the fruit of the spirit and all those beautiful me- metaphors that are all through scripture as the few, as what drives us is changed we start to also get a, a grasp of how much larger Christ is than we when we first got to know him and because Jesus is God, there is a quality and a quantity to his love that is absolutely unique mm-hmm. and is is worth paying attention to. For example, Jesus' love is different. I yeah. mean, enemy love, just, just those two words. Uh, like, that is not a love that the world knows too much about. Yeah. I mean, we love good people. There are a lot of people, like, their hearts break because, you know, they're in need. And, and, you know, I know that there are people, like you said, that are really trying to help other people because, I mean, their, their plight is, is so... So desperate. And we can really relate to them. But enemies. Yeah. You know, Jesus loves enemies. It's the quality of his love, the depth of it, too, the, the depths of his sacrifice that we see on the cross. Jesus' love is so different than any other kind of love. And the horizon of it keeps pushing back the longer I'm on this lake. Mm. Uh, to use a different metaphor, C.S. Lewis was brilliant at this stuff, but throughout the Chronicles of Narnia, 
he, he wrote it in such a way that Aslan, the, the Christ figure in the story, kept getting bigger as the people got to know him. Yeah. Right? He started off as a fairly, but then, you know, by the end of it, he's a giant. Like, it's just this, oh, there's more there than I understood. Mm. And in fact, I think the closing line of the last book is forever further up and further in. Because yeah. there's just more. Oh, and Lewis is not scripture, don't get me wrong. But it's that image that, no, there's more here than we understand. And as we continue to be transformed, we get to see that uniqueness, that depth, that the edges of it just go back further than we ever thought. Mm. Well, and, and we want to remind people just as we close this discussion that uh, we want to encourage them to put Jesus' love in very practical ways to the people around him these days. Yeah. Uh, would you wrap up for us? Would you pray for yeah. us? Pray us out of this? Thank and you. why don't we pray that we'd have a chance to show some of that love mm. to those around us and maybe see just a little bit more how unique Christ's love is. So uh, join me in prayer. Father, I am once again struck that English doesn't have a way to talk about you well. Your edges, your boundaries are so much further than our, our minds can comprehend. And Lord, as we have gotten to talk a little bit about your love and how you transform us, we're seeing it just maybe a little bit more clearly. And we'd ask, Lord, this very simple prayer, that you'd give us a chance in, in these next hours uh, to love like you would love, that you would be prompting us in crisis moments uh, to shine you just a little bit more and that Holy Spirit, you would fill us up with the capacity to care for people in ways that we did not expect. And in the midst of it, Lord, would you, would you push back the horizons of our sight just a little bit further? Uh, would you lift the fog just a little bit more so we can see just how glorious you are, just how much greater than we ever expected you are? We ask this in your name. Amen.